Ryan and I have been friends for, I have no idea, a long time. College, was it? God, I'm so old. But we've been friends for a while, and every once in a while we'll run into something, whether it be a conversation or like an activity we do or a night out or, you know, just something that will remind us of why we're friends. And sometimes it's a really good movie. And today's movie, An Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, is one of those things where it was just like, look at these two people being friends and just, you know, friending it up for a variety of reasons, but mainly just because they connect and are friends. There's some chewable, specific kind of quality to being a friend with somebody that you can't quite intelligibly express at this time of night, but you can definitely feel, and there's nothing if not feeling in most of Sir Nicholas Cage's work. Um, and you know who else is, is like just the greatest addition to Hollywood right now? That's Pedro Pascal. So, you know, I hope you really enjoy this brief interim from our interim back into the stratosphere of the podcast landscape. It's the third bromantic holiday we've ever given you, and it's a good one. I hope you enjoyed today's movie. Go tell a friend you love them. The boys are back in town. The boys are back. I think it's a shuffle. The boys are back. Yeah, do the shuffle. The boys are back. Yeah. We're back, everybody. We're back. Welcome to Bromantic Comedy Day, the national. Heralded by everybody is Bromantic Comedy Day, right? Yeah. Right? That's today. It's a bromance. When did the bromance get termed, that, that coin? That feels like a, I want to say mid-2000s, mm-hmm. mid-aughts. Along with the metrosexuals and the... Um, no, that was a 90s thing. Metrosexuals? I thought that was like a 2000, like, welcome to the aughts, metrosexuals. No, <laughs> I think I think as a term that probably started... I, I believe it was right around the time of the first Queer Eye. Yeah. We which were, would have been early 2000s, yeah. if anything. Yeah. Men were getting more comfortable with ourselves. <laughs> In awkward ways. <laughs> yeah. We didn't know how, but yeah. we were going to do we it. We were trying. And look at us go. And look look how far we've come. Now we've got the bromance of Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal. That's right. Today we're here to talk about the unbear- the absolutely unbearable. It's so hard to bear weight of mm-hmm. massive talent. Before we get into the movie, how you feeling? I'm- What's new? Whoo! Gosh, it's been. This is the longest we've gone without recording. It actually hasn't been that long. It's felt like six months, but it's only been six weeks. Yeah, no. The last one we recorded was probably the first week of December, so it's two months. It's been two months for us, but at least six weeks for the listeners. Yeah, that's right. It's. I mean, it's it's too long, my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing good. I'm working for National Geographic at the moment, um, and. That's it's a good job. It's yeah. all right. Yeah. Did you go down to Africa? Did you go? No. Did you travel far? <laughs> take some photos? It took me a lot to take this job in Africa. It did? <laughs> no. I mean, they, they are shooting something for our show in Africa right there now. There you go. But um, I don't get to go anywhere. We're sending a bunch of people up to Baffin Island, which is cool. That's cool. It's very cold up there. Well, what about you? Uh, I've been I've been working a little bit. I uh, I did a Fallout Boy video. So oh, that's that was right. Cool. Yeah, Rivers Cuomo's in it. He has a nice little uh, cameo. Wait, is he is he multiple Cuomos and multiple Rivers? Yeah, Rivers Cuomos. Rivers Cuomos. <laughs> Cuomos. <laughs> Plural. Oh yeah. Uh, so I've been busy. We've been busy on the movie. 
which is why we're on a hiatus. That's right. Uh, We've been very... We've been diligent. We've been productive. We... I wish we were been, been more productive. Like we've really been working hard at it, but we're also like double timing it with our other jobs as well. And also having a family. And also having a family. I walked in <laughs> today, guys, 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 yes. are you listening? I walked into my best buddy's house today and his child was like running around yelling and his wife greeted me and was like, hey, what's up? And then Ryan was trying desperately to make himself eggs. Like, like a man who is trying to hack a computer before <laughs> something blows up. Yeah. He was, he was, there was sheen of sweats on you. Yeah. It's like trying to defuse a bomb because if you have a toddler running around and you're trying to cook something, he's like, what's on the oven? <laughs> like, And so you probably saw my hand just kind of like oh, yeah. waving in front of the oven of like, get back, get back. You know, there's the soccer mom arm. Yeah. There's the oven dad arm yeah. as well. Hot. Hot food, get out of the way. So I, Ellen, I was cooking uh, stuff on the stove last night. I was just cooking spaghetti Mm. and I had just poured the noodles into the colander. They were draining off. I put the hot pan back on the stove and Ellen immediately ran over and I just wasn't paying attention and slapped that pan. Oh my God. And took it away really fast uh, because it was probably hot, right? Yeah. But she looked down at her hand. She looked at me. She was like, that's hot. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but she didn't like she didn't actually burn herself. And so I really got away with that one. I was I was almost feeling like a really Very bad lucky. dad. Very lucky. Yeah. Speaking of bad dads. Yeah, let's just get into it. Let me tell you a story. What a segue. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. Ask you about love. Probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. We meet Nicolas Cage. (laughs) The one and only Nicolas Cage. Yeah, the one and only Nicolas Cage who is a... He's playing himself. Yep. And we also get that he has a... There's two Nick Cages in this movie. Mm -hmm. There's the Nick Cage we see who is part of this dual personality who's like a Nick Cage that wants to be taken seriously. Yeah. As the, an actor. The, 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 the serious thespian or the theorious thespian. Yes, as it were. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Nick Cage. The, Crazy Nick Cage, the one you saw in Mandy, the one who goes all out. The movie star Nick Cage. Yeah. And I loved this device. Mm-hmm. I loved it. It wasn't in the movie enough for me. I know that's what Sarah said. She was wanting like more Nicky Cage. I I wanted Nicky Cage, yeah, because that's what he calls the movie star yeah. one. I wanted him in every other scene. She was really hoping that it would go and that Nicky Cage would like take over Nicholas yeah. Cage uh-huh. and like basically, you know, it's an exorcist situation where Nicky Cage just takes over Nicholas Cage's like body and starts doing things, but. It doesn't go that direction. That's okay. It goes That's other okay. directions. Yeah. But we the dynamic between Nicolas Cage and Nicky Cage is wonderful. There there is a scene where they make out and it's <laughs> yeah, Nick it's Cage really good. Is good. <laughs> it's it's where other filmmakers would be afraid to go. This one is not. Yeah. And so we see him having a meeting with David Gordon Green, who's a real filmmaker playing himself, and he's trying to get this role and mm-hmm. he like does this dramatic monologue to show that he can do a Boston accent. And do you think he would have given him the role if he didn't do the, the, Oh, here, let me play the scene out. Yeah. For you. I mean, I was looking at it as a director. I'm like, I don't know. I w- certainly doesn't disqualify him. No, it doesn't. But I didn't like the Boston accent. Oh, you didn't. I didn't. I mean, it wasn't very good. Uh, I mean, I like Nick Cage. 
you got to like line it up against a Ben Affleck and a, and a Goodwill Hunting and see how. Oh, well you know, Ben Affleck was the one that was cast too instead of him. Oh man, they should have said that. Yeah, they should have gone with that. Like they said, yeah, we're going with Affleck on this one. It would have been great if they accidentally ran into each other that day. Yeah, you know, that would have mm. been good. I did like that this film didn't get indulgent on cameos because they could have been like oh, Hollywood, right? But yeah, it was totally. more like oh, Nicolas Cage, right? Yeah, 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 and. There were a lot of Nick Cage cameos because we see a lot of his movies being played, but yeah. in a way that I liked. Yeah. Like it it almost felt like if you took some of the pretense out of a movie like Adaptation, mm-hmm. that was where this movie's tone was couched. Yeah, true. It it's weird. This movie is very a tandem piece to Adaptation. Wild them in the end. You got hit. You can have flaws, problems, but wild them in the end. And you've got a hit. You know? Yeah, yeah. Because in in adaptation, you have you have Nick Cage playing the, the screenwriter of the movie that you're watching, right? And his brother, yeah, who doesn't exist. No, <laughs> and like that movie is meta for storytelling reasons, and so is this movie. Yeah, and I don't know, like, but this one, this one definitely. There's something about it that acknowledges the meta in a different way than adaptation. And doesn't so depend on it. It's still telling a more universal story in addition to the meta-ness. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So we see his family life. We see this like therapy session and he's like venting about what it would be. It would be so good to get this role. And then the therapist is like, let's talk about your family. Let's talk about your daughter who's in this session with you. Yeah. And he's not a good dad. He's he's basically a, I'm going to talk about what I want, and yeah. I want you to like what I want. Pretty and textbook narcissist yeah, through and through. Basically, what he needs is a best friend, and he's trying to get that with his daughter by force. He's trying to shape her into the friend that he wants and is not- The friend that he needs, I would say. Yeah, and he's not like respecting what she likes, because he like talks about The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari and how it's her favorite movie now, and it's have, like, no. Have you seen it? Of course. Okay. You've seen it. Yeah. And as a filmmaker, I can definitely appreciate it. Yeah. But it's like, for especially for a Gen Z, that's a slow ass movie. Yeah. Come on, Nick Cage. Like, respect respect Mm. your daughter. Work into it. Yeah. You know, go backwards. Start with Inception. Get, watch Hereditary. Like, you'll work your way backwards. You'll you'll get there. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, he's, he's trying to make everyone in his own image around him. Right. And, and there is a, and he's he's also trying to make himself in his image with his conversations with Nikki. Yeah, and he's he's there's a there's a version of Nicolas Cage that is bugging him, and there's the version that he wants to be but can't quite get it. Right, and and also we have his agent, Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris, who I I love when they go get slapped. Yeah, <laughs> that's not therapy that I want. No, like what do you think they were slapping them with? It looked like like bushels like bushels that you would sell at market yeah yeah it looked like to me it looked like bondage leaves yeah like if there's a tree that was specifically into s&m yeah this is going to help you relax fuck i would like to go to a spa with you someday but i don't want to do that not that no, no. we can go to no. a regular spa yeah M- maybe but we I can get slapped with something that. i won't do that but i'll get slapped by something maybe like like hands Maybe like yeah. I'll get I'll get Hayad. 
Oh. You, can, you can chop me. Yeah. Not you, but whoever's better at it than you are. Okay, we'll go and get chopped. Uh, so they are talking about this new gig that's coming up because he didn't get the gig with David he Gordon didn't Green. didn't get the gig. Went with... I like the headcanon that they're going with Affleck. Yeah, me too. That's mm-hmm. that's what they're They went with Affleck. Doing. But there's this new gig where it's a birthday party for a million bucks. Yeah, he just shows up and he's offended by this idea at first. Yeah. A clown? Me? Yeah. Nick Cage, the serious actor? Mm-hmm. But he ends up having to say yes because he like he really messes up. He goes to his daughter's birthday and just embarrasses the crap out of her. Yeah, and he goes to his hotel where he's locked out because he owes $600,000 on it. And I like this meta-ness because yeah, this is this... Nicolas Cage that we all know, that he's super broke in real life and that's why he works so much. Yeah, but like he's not broke all the time. He's just broke sometimes. Yeah. And... Like there was a year, there was like five years where he was broke, then he made a bunch of money mm-hmm. and then he was like... Broke a little bit and then he made money again. Right. Like, so did this, I tell you I've been to, I, I have walked outside of Nick Cage's home that I don't know if he owns anymore, but like that's in the Lake District. It's like a stone's throw from Beatrix Potter's old house. Oh, really? Yeah. It's like where Wordsworth used to walk. Just sell the house, man. Pay off your taxes. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's where he goes to relax. Well, he buys, like, Google it, things Nicholas Cage has bought. Like, he buys the most ridiculous things. It's, it's verifiable. Yeah. It's and, on Google. And, but he, like, so I also know a bunch of people who have worked with him because he came to town to shoot Pig. Oh, right. And everybody loved Nick Cage. Yeah. They were just like, he was the nicest dude in the whole world. Yeah, he's supposed to be chill. And so so I think that's where this comes from, where he's okay doing Nick Cage's life as Nick Cage. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And and there's, there is a bit of a suspension of disbelief where it's like, and this is his family. It's like, no, it's not. not. (laughs) That's a kind of a William Goldman thing. Right, like where in Princess Bride, he makes up a family right. that he has. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah. Meta again. Meta. And so he ends up like he ruins this birthday with his daughter. And you can tell, you can tell he wants to be close to her. Mm-hmm. And he's like, keeps reaching for this time that used to exist. And it's just, he's he just doesn't know how to do it without being narcissistic. Yeah. He's not quite an anti-hero about it. It's just like, uh, you mean well, but man, you're really bad at this. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so he decides to go to Italy. Yeah. Or Spain. Oh, yeah. Mallorca. Yeah. Mallorca. He goes to Spain and he meets Javi. I am Javi. Played by Pedro Pascal. And Pedro Pascal is adorable in this movie. He is. I think he's he's just kind of a charming human being, isn't he? Yeah. But adorable is the right word. Yeah. Before he meets them, we meet some CIA agents. CIA agents. CIA agents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's Tiffany Haddish and Ike Baronholtz from Mad TV, right? Yeah, I haven't seen, haven't seen, haven't seen you in a while since I saw your reruns on Comedy Central. <laughs> You're not even on the front page of yeah, yes, he he's down on the right. Uh, scroll, 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 all the way down below the fold. There you go. Wow, you're right. Tiffany Haddish is way above him. I know. They're in the movie almost the same amount. I know. And so they are tracking a kidnapping mm-hmm. that we see at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, there. The very the very first shot of the movie is the very first scene is this kidnapping that happens. Right. When she's very, watching Con Air and right, she's but like, we don't see them yet. No. 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 no, no yeah. No. So we don't know who this is that got kidnapped. We just know that this person who is watching Con Air got Nicholas Cage got kidnapped. Yeah. And we don't know how they're going to be related to this movie, but somehow I think her boyfriend died. Like the guy she was. Watching Aww. the movie with, I think he got stabbed in the back. Oh, I feel man. bad for that dude. That's too bad. Um, so she gets taken away, and then we find like Tiffany Haddish and 
and Ike are like watching Nick Cage get off this plane and they're like expecting somebody else. And yeah, so like, like, what the fuck is Nicolas Cage doing here? Uh huh. And um, so then she bugs him and then they f- follow. No, like she literally bugs him. Like she goes up to yeah. him and like bugs him. She's like, hey, you're Nick Cage. But then she bugs him by putting a tracker in his coat. Oh, this movie's so smart. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so they're they're going to try and um, leverage Nicolas Cage in this this big CIA operation. Right. He doesn't really know about it yet, but we'll get there. Yeah. So then he like takes a boat out to the island and Javi doesn't reveal himself as like the guy who invited him there until they get to the island. And he's like, I'm Javi. I'm the guy that you came to to meet. And he is just you can tell he's a big fan, even though he's playing it kind of cool. Yeah. And he's pleased as punch that Nicolas Cage is here. And there's something so earnest about Pedro's performance throughout this whole thing. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I, I want to watch everything he's in after seeing this, like Mandalorian. I was like, okay, you know, we don't really get to see a lot of you, but yeah. after this, I want to watch the last of us. I want to watch the bubbles, <laughs> the bubbles. I think it's called the bubbles or Mr. Bubbles. Oh, okay. I'll check out Mr. Bubbles. He, I think he plays. You're truly a dad now. It's like, I don't know. It's like a bubble thing or something <laughs> that's like champagne. I've know. kind of always been like that. <laughs> um, so we meet like, uh, Javi's uh, gal pal friend who's mainly in charge of his assets or something, Alessandra something. I can't see Mastronati. that. Far. Yeah, Gabriella. Yeah, and it's this big castle of a place and yeah. they have these giant Guards. operations mm-hmm. and I guess he's like an olive oil like baron or right. something like that. Right. That's the that's the cover. And like she I, I have to say um Gabriella are you in love? Foxy. <laughs> are you you already are you are you betrayed? As soon as she comes on scene, I was like, wow, I can tell not only is she Foxy, but I could tell that she loved Javi and Javi loved her, even though it was a thing that didn't come up until way later on in the movie. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so they uh they get settled in in this like very lovely place in in this like Spanish estate. Yeah, and he's hung over and he doesn't want to do anything and Javi's like, "Hey, I really want you to read my screenplay." And uh, Nick Cage is like, what? And then we meet the cousin, the cousin who's... who you can tell is a bad guy because he looks like Joey Fatone if he went a little bit harder with the like the bleaching. Yeah. You know, or if Guy Fieri lost 100 pounds. Yes. Yeah. It's it's like the middle ground. <laughs> yeah. There. Uh-huh. I, I like his look because he reminds me of every Bond number two henchman. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like uh-huh. every Bond movie has got to have that big boss who's not the big, big boss, but like is going to have the like late second act big fight scene and he acted like it too yeah like you could tell that this guy would end up working for um bloom blumfeld bloom blumenhaus blumenhauser whoever the bad guy is <laughs> blofeld blofeld thank blofeld. you <laughs> when <laughs> he would end up working for uh blofeld and then die at some point yeah. in time yeah I, I like that headcanon yeah yeah he belongs in a dining craig movie and so he shows up and you're like this cousin's gonna be something like yeah i don't know what but he's gonna be something yeah and so then they go they do some partying next. It, it kind of blurs for me at that. No, because then the the cliff scene happens. Oh right, this is where the friendship really begins. Yeah, and so they 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 take a little excursion, but then like Pedro's like something's wrong, and he like pulls over and like runs to the cliffs and is like acting out this thing. And Nick Clay is like, "What is going on?" All right, all right, I get it. You're making this up. What is this like a, a little um, Stanislavski improv thing? Well, you can stop. Stanislavski, is he part of the resistance? Stop! I am your guest! Gabriella ripped the bedspread off me this morning. Now you're sending me on like a wild 
Goose Chase! I'm sorry, but you can't quit acting. You can't. That's none of your business. Whether you like it or not, you have a gift. And that gift brings light and joy to an increasingly dark and broken world. And to turn your back on that gift is to turn your back on the en entire human race. The human race? I'm afraid so. And Nick Clay just like, okay. He turns it on. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. And he goes all in and they they leap off the cliff together and it's it's a bonding moment. Yeah, and I like it structurally because like jumping off a cliff together is... It's not only a big act of commitment, but like story-wise, this is my film paper right now. Mm-hmm. It's a point of no return. Yeah, right. They they can't go back to that cliff. Yeah, you know? yeah, and they yeah, it's it's not a cliffhanger no more. They they're jumped. Yeah, they've jumped, yeah. and so they start off a friendship. Yeah, and so they start. He like Javi asks very seriously, "What is your favorite movie?" Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it's such this earnest question. It's like, yeah, Nick Cage. What is your favorite movie? This made me feel a lot like Javi because I always ask these questions. Yeah. I always have a million and one questions to ask people to get to know them. Yeah. And most people don't care. Yeah. <laughs> and just to have somebody like Nicolas Cage who's like, let's have a five hour discussion about this. Yeah. And so Javi's favorite movies are Face Off. Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. All right. That's the second one, which is a good good throwback. And then Paddington, Paddington 2. two. And then and Nick Cage is like, no, too. no way. And they watch it and they're like, yeah, this is the best movie I ever. wanted to know what Nick Cage's other favorite movies were. Yeah. He didn't really say, did he? No. He didn't commit. Yeah. But Javi, but Javi did. did. Thank you, Javi. But th- this is like, this is how I bond. I'm not I'm not a question person, but I like to get the ball rolling. And it's like let's just talk about our favorite movies. Totally. And like this is this is how I bond to people. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is probably how you and I bonded. It is specifically, and this yeah. is why I picked this movie for our bromantic comedy. Oh yeah, because I hadn't seen this. Yeah, you'd already seen this one. And I was before. like, okay, this should be should be it because Sarah's watching it and she's like, oh, okay, because they got into this scene. She's like, so this is you and yeah, okay. <laughs> Which one of us is Nicolas Cage? So Sarah says that you're Javi and I'm Nicolas Cage. I, I, I'd say yeah. <laughs> like Because Nicolas Cage is not as earnest of a person and Javi is much more like humane and like... I, but I think, I think Nicolas Cage can probably proliferate a lot longer than I can and you can too. You can just go on and on and right. on about one topic for and a long time. I've definitely had the same trappings that Nick Cage has where it's like, let's hey Sarah, let's watch a movie. Let's make sure we watch a movie of like substance. Like I'm not concerned with Sarah's experience as much as I am concerned with our shared experience and what I'm showing her. Sure. And that's not okay. <laughs> like, but that's okay. We know that about you and we still love you. Yeah. And that's something I'm aware of. And I very much related to Nick Cage throughout this whole movie because it's not that he means to be narcissistic. He just is so in love with the art of film and gets lost in it. You know, it gets really, honestly, it's, it's kind of hard to watch when you're making Theo listen to Brian Eno rather than Rafi. <laughs> and no, not it really. is a sonic landscape, Theo, a sonic landscape. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was good to watch them. The movie up until this point had been good, yeah. But when they start bonding, that's when the chemistry kicks in. Yeah, and the the, the movie gets really good. Yeah, you really care. So we at this point in time, like Nick Cage goes and talks to Nikki at a bar, mm-hmm. and that's <laughs> where they Cage have their makeout scene. Smooch is good. Yeah, Nick Cage smooch is good. You tell him. 
Nick Cage, smooch is good. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. It's really good. And that's, I wanted it to be a bromantic competition at that point where Nikki kept trying to take Nick's affection away from Javi because oh. Javi was making Nick a better, more yeah. interesting person. And Nikki doesn't need that if he wants to be a movie star. Yeah. Um, so I was pretty disappointed that the movie shied away from that. It's okay. I yeah. wasn't. I wasn't disappointed in the movie, but yeah. I really wanted to see that. Yeah, that definitely would have been good. So this is when he really gets enlisted by the CIA. Mm-hmm. Ike and Tiffany are like, your man Javi is this big like drug baron, like bad news. Which doesn't equal what we've seen of him. Yeah, like, like it's possible. That can't be. Not but, not this sweet but, guy. But this guy who loves Paddington too. Yeah, come on. But they have all this evidence that, you know, he's he's the one behind this kidnapping and is holding this girl on the compound and right. Nick Cage's got to find her. And so they send Nick Cage back in and he doesn't, he doesn't want to believe it, but there's like this, it's the CIA and they're yeah. telling him this. And so he, he goes into spy mode and drugs himself. And there's some pretty good like physical comedy with mm-hmm. that. Um, and plants some cameras. But then when he's searching for the girl the next day, he does some acid <laughs> yeah, with Javi. He does acid instead. And so they go on, literally on a trip. They go on, mm. you know, a, a car ride and a trip trip. And Sarah was like, they can't drive like that. I'm like, I don't know. I've never been on acid. I don't know how well you could drive when you're on acid. Probably not well. <laughs> I think, well, at least I, I was thinking about this and I was thinking about how, how irresponsible it was. And I was like, well, the island's pretty small. So if they kill, <laughs> if they crash, they're probably just going to kill themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's some good drug-induced hijinks and I'm glad. And paranoia. Yeah. I don't like it when movies are like whooshy colors and like whoa they're high and it's like thanks for not doing those kind of jokes yeah yeah funny. it was it was just that they were high and paranoid and this is where the movie starts getting really meta too because they start writing a movie together yeah and eventually it comes to the point where they start writing a movie about themselves and their adventure yeah. that they're on which is like second grade level movie writing yeah but, but it's also lord of the rings like ah there and back again a hobbit's tale and the lord of the rings by frodo baggins like yeah yeah no you know. no no i i don't mean that the the device of it is second grade them actually doing that is second grade level yeah. where it's like you know they're trying to write a screenplay let's make it about us yeah you know it's it's not bad it's good especially yeah. good in this movie yeah and it's nicholas cage so yeah. If it wasn't Nicolas Cage, then it'd be pretty Right, stupid. it would be kind of boring. Whoa, Cage! They have a run-in with these two randos, but the oh, randos yeah. are nobody. That's the whole paranoid thing where they try to jump over the wall and yeah. stuff. And so they go back, and Nicolas Cage looks for the girl at the compound, and you know, Javi sees him trying to break into this compound, and he's like, you know, we can't go back. If, if we actually go in there, there's no going back. And Nick Clay's just like, okay. I have to go see it. Yeah. And so Man. we actually see that it's a shrine to Nicolas Cage. So many props from all of his movies. And and with somebody else, it might be creepy. But it's so but it's loving. Hobby, so it's adorable. And it's curated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's not. Yeah, it's nice. It, yeah, it's not super creepy. It's more like honoring. It's a museum piece to Nicolas right. Cage movies. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if, if I was going to a museum and they had done a Nicolas Cage retrospective. Yeah, this is what it would look like. Yeah. Because uh-huh. we see a wax figure of Nicolas Cage and we see, like, the chainsaw from Mandy and we see 
the diapers from Raising Arizona. So one of the props in there that I thought was super cool were like the green gas necklaces oh, yeah. that they had from The Rock. Yeah. I always thought those were really cool as a kid. And I that was, was like, cool what's prop. actually inside here? I know. The, I would love to have props like that. I That'd wanna, be cool. I want to know if the, any of those were recreated or if like those were all the actual props from the movies. Hmm. I'm giving 50-50 shot because like you don't want to throw away the the cool green balls from the rock. But then again, what are you gonna do with those? Well, well <laughs> you, you know what I'm what I'm wondering is is did they because there's big prop buyers out there, right? Yeah. I would equally guess that Nick Cage has half of those props. True. Yeah. So maybe he just donated them. Maybe that's what they did. They're like, okay, so we want to make it about you, but we also are gonna need some of your stuff. <laughs> Because you're that could the one, be one who has of Nick it. Cage's houses that yeah, they shot at. I don't exactly. know. <laughs> yeah, that's his basement. <laughs> uh, and he just goes down there and Nick oh, Cage man. is out. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Cage. <gasps> Nick Cage looks good. <laughs> oh. Um, and so they just kind of get closer. Mm-hmm. Like he, he can't find the kid. They keep meeting about like Tiffany Haddish meets with him. And it's just like, yo. Like you, you, you gotta, gotta find, find this, this girl. girl, and she keeps guilting him because it's like you have a sixteen-year-old daughter. Yeah, that's yeah. someone's daughter out there, and you gotta go find and her. And the whole plot is the the girl that was kidnapped is the daughter of the president of Spain, and the like if if like they somebody wants to supplant him, and so this is like leverage against him. Yeah, yeah, and so they keep meeting about the script, and they keep hemming and hawing about script materials, and Nick Cage tries to like psych. Javi into it by talking about like a kidnapping plot and mm-hmm. Javi's like this is garbage this is going against everything we've stand as artists and I like that Nick Cage called that he was gonna know that it was garbage yeah and th- that only works because of how good and fast of friends they are yeah and they understand each other's sensibilities yeah. he's like no Javi will never go for that and, and it's true man how relatable is this section of the movie? Like, this is what you and I have been doing for the past eight months now on your script. We've uh-huh. been just going back and forth of like finding like the good resonant nuances of the story you want to tell and having these deep artistic conversations about it. Do you think if we had millions of dollars and we lived at a compound mm-hmm. rather than no dollars and lived in Portland, do you think we'd be faster or slower? Oh, much slower. Because <laughs> then we'd be like doing skeet shooting and we would never get anywhere. I don't. I actually think the opposite, but um, I'm okay being here, I guess, because we have family and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love you, Robin. Fine. Families are fine. Whatever. <laughs> no, we love them. Um, then... So we meet, we have a conversation with the cousin who the cousin has figured out what's going on with Nick Cage. Yeah. And we figure out that Javi is not the bad guy. It's the cousin. It's the henchman from those Bond movies is the bad guy. Mm -hmm. And here's where the meta comes in again, because Nick Cage introducing this idea turns it into more of a Nick Cage blockbuster movie. Yeah. Which is at this point in time, exactly where it turns. Right. And this is also kind of cribbing from adaptation because adaptation does the exact same thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what I'm saying. So... But it's good. So, like, the cousin, like, threatens to kill his, kill Javi because he's not quite sure um, whether Javi knows about the FBI's and mm-hmm. stuff. And and so we have this nice showdown where Nick Cage thinks that Javi needs to be taken down and Javi thinks Nick Cage needs to be taken down. And, so and this they're is like, post him bringing the daughter and the wife out. Yeah, as so well, Javi brings his family out because he thinks Nicolas Cage is like mentally blocked and wants to like resolve psychological issues that Nick Cage is going through with his family. And Javi's not wrong. <laughs> like, no, that's he's true. not. Yeah. The way he does it is dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but to Nick Cage, this looks like a threat. 
and right, he thinks yeah. his family's being threatened, but Javi's like honestly like wanting to help the artistic process. And I like that there's a certain point in time where we find out about the cousin and it's right amidst this. Yeah. And so it's it's the perfect it's perfect timing because we're not quite sure if Javi is right. threatening him. But, but we as know that well wants him to get over this. Yeah, and we know that Nick Cage is like legitimately worried. He has no reason not to think otherwise yet. Right. Yeah. He doesn't understand. Uh, so yeah, he's Nick Cage is freaking out. He's like, I gotta get my family out of here, and they they gotta be safe. And so Nick he, Cage and Hobby he gets the guns from Face Off. Yeah, they have a they have a showdown, but they quickly realize what's going on. They get on the same page, mm-hmm. and so then they get start to get hunted by the cousins and his. It's just henchmen. so cute, though. I want to I want to linger in that that oh, scene yeah. where they go back to the um the cliffs and they they cha- they trade shoes with each other because yeah. they're just like I think these would be better on you. Yeah, Are those new shoes. These? No, I've had these. Oh. Which is really good. This is just good screenwriting of. Two two buddies sharing sharing shoes, right? But when we that? both know that they have guns and they're coming out here to kill the other one, yeah. And but they take the time to share shoes. Yeah, it's lovely. It is really good. And then they run away and they complain about each other's shoes because they're having such a hard time running in penny loafers, which is also great. Uh, and so they run away, but Nick Cage's daughter gets kidnapped. Yes, that's right. And so they got to rescue her, and so they they run away to a safe house. And... The CIA agents get killed. Oh right! I and I liked that this movie committed to that because I thought that those two would have plot armor for some reason. Yeah, because usually Nick Cage movies, that kind of is what happens. It's yeah. like the the extraneous characters that are on the outside helping him accomplish whatever he's accomplishing live. Yeah. Like almost yeah. almost. In every single movie. Yeah, like John Cusack doesn't die in Con Air. He's fine, you know? Yeah. Do you not remember John Cusack? I didn't remember he was in that movie. Yeah, it's John Cusack and who's the engineer in Star Trek Next Generation? LeVar Burton? No, not the other guy. The Le- the, the Cole Meany? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's He's his transporter name? chief. Yeah. What's that guy's name? Cole Meany. No, in Star Trek. Miles O'Brien. Miles O'Brien. Yeah, O'Brien. O'Brien's in Con Air. Oh, cool. So I gotta watch that movie. You again. gotta watch Con Air. Yeah. Con Air's really good. Love Miles O'Brien. And Steve Buscemi's in it too. Um I, actually I think next, just speaking of movies we're going to watch next, I think next year for romantic comedy, I would like to do the odd couple. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then we'll do the odd couple too. Maybe. No, probably not. <laughs> um and then we'll do the whole TV show, every single episode. Oh my gosh. Who was starring in that? People that our parents cared about. Well, yeah people (laughs) they they would know okay so anyway back to this they they come up with this idea to storm this compound through the front door by pretending to be this guy who's like this old italian mobster Mm -hmm. and so they dress up nick cage because his ex-wife used to be a makeup makeup artist artist. but where did she get the materials to do the makeup in the first place it's not like that you just carry that around in your tote bag this is why it's becoming a nick cage movie because nick cage movies are also known for their giant plot holes yeah um i think i think this is if i was going to rewrite the movie in addition to what i said about nicky cage Mm -hmm. because i want him here as well and he's not here yeah um if i was going to rewrite the movie this is what i do you write your first draft with your heart you rewrite with your head. I would have the actual Italian guy that hasn't been seen in 15 years mm-hmm. also show up. Oh, there. that would be good. Yeah. So like they'd have to like they'd have to like 
Nick Cage would have to outact him at one point in time. Ugh. Like it would be really good. If, I'm the real this person. Yeah, and so and it'd be funny if the um if the cousin killed the real guy because Nick Cage outacted him. And Nick Cage would be like, oops. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. He's just a mobster. Yeah, that kills he, people. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so they they bust in there and they eventually figure out it's all a ruse and there's shootouts and Javi has to stand up to his cousin and there's a big shootout. They don't really show the resolution to the shootout between Javi and his cousin. It just kind of, well, well, it comes ha- down to the cousin getting blasted by Nick Cage. Yeah. Or stabbed. But the way they cut is basically the Nick Cage saves his daughter and the daughter saves him. But as she's throwing this knife to Nick Cage, there's this really good cut where it we, changes into a movie. We blend into a, the movie that Javi and Nick Cage wrote. Of and, this moment. And, we and see, it was a perfect time to cut. Yeah. And now his wife is played by Demi Moore, not mm-hmm. by Sharon Hogan. And yeah, then it's... Uh, then we cut to the movie theater that the movie's premiering in, and everyone's like so excited. Heading into is incredible. I fucking told you. And then Javi's there, and he lived after this shootout. And, and then Nick Cage goes home and watches movies. He watched Paddington Two with his family, mm-hmm. and that's good. It's, <laughs> and it's all good. I really, I really did wish for this. At this point, I was like, "Where's Nicky?" And I want the movie to end with Nicolas Cage and Pedro because I wanted the movie to be less about Nick Cage becoming a better person. I wanted that. Yeah. But I really wanted it to be about how these two men made each other better. Yeah. You know, and it was about that, but I wanted to, I wanted them to capitalize a little bit on it just because I loved that part of the movie so much. Absolutely. Yeah. And it felt like that. It's kind of like, what's the point of this movie? Like the singular character development of Nick Cage, or is it this friendship, this transformative transformative friendship of it, these two guys? It felt at the end that they were telling me it's more about Nick Cage. Yeah. And I really think it, at its heart, it was much more about the, the friendship. But in the middle of the movie, they talk about this. They say, nobody's ever going to watch a movie about two people just being friends together. Yeah. Like they, they need like, it, like yeah. the daughter to be saved and the person to like, you know, learn a lesson and stuff. And I, I, I'm like, I hear you guys. I, I hear you producers. I hear you writers talking yeah. about your producers, but I liked it. I was here yeah. for it. Well, it's it is true of the other romantic movies that we've watched, like I Love You Man. A lot of it still is Paul Rudd like learning to be confident in himself with his wife or his fiance and like discovering things about his They're still learning. Yeah, they're, they they are learning life lessons, but at the end it's so much more about him. That and one definitely ends with Jason Segel, his, his bromance. Yeah. And with Neil and I um, it's about I. the resol- It's the di- the dissolution of it. Yeah, and kind of realizing that this life that they are living together can't go on. Disillusion. That's yeah, the word. yeah. They they can't go on together, and yeah. if they're ever going to survive, they have to break up. It's really sad. Yeah, I know, right? That got, I'm I'm glad that this one, the other movie that we were floating around for this that Ryan rightfully chose not to do was the. Um, the Banshees of Inisherin, yeah, which is also a disillusion. That's quite the movie. breakup movie. Yeah, that's the breakup movie of breakup movies for bromance. It's an anti-bromantic comedy. Yeah, totally. And I'm glad that we did one that ended happy. Yeah, yeah. Well, interesting for Banshees, the other movie that those guys made together in Bruges, mm-hmm. it wasn't so much a bromance between. Colin they did, Farrell, they Brendan Gleeson, one. but they did have this very unique, special friendship. Yes, very much so. That matters. And 
Friendships between dudes mattered. They do. Right? That's why we dude this. I dude, dude, dude. Um, so, what's your overall thoughts on the movie? I liked this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. Like when Robin asked me this morning what I thought of it because she had to go to bed last night because she's still kind of getting over a cold, mm-hmm. and um, she dropped me off in my room uh, <laughs> and she is sleeping on the couch and she's like, "I'm gonna go sleep on the couch because it's where she can like sit up when she's sick." And I had a glass of scotch with me nice. and my laptop, and I'm just like, "All right, I'm doing this." Having and she was time. like, "I love this so much." <laughs> um, I I said it was good, like. <laughs> It wasn't great, but I, I, there's part of me that loves it. Yeah, there's something about movies like this where it's not a masterpiece, but there's something kind of rewatchable about it where yeah. it's like, I don't need to pay super close attention. I'm just going to have a fun time. Honestly, it's like a lot of other Nick Cage movies. Yeah. I love watching The Rock. Yeah. It's not great. But I love watching it. It's eminently watchable. National Treasure? Let's throw on National Treasure. Totally. I'd love to just throw that on and just hang out. Oh, man. A Nick Cage marathon sounds cozy. Yeah. But, I right? Mean, and that's not all of his movies. Like, you're not going to do that with Mandy. No. And, not, <laughs> and like, adapta- like, I have Adaptation on my shelf. Every weekend, I'm like, what am I watching tonight? I see Adaptation. I'm like... I just don't have the brain space right now. Right, I it's a li- can't pay attention. Like a dad of a toddler, it's like I don't have the energy for it, you. It's not. It's uh, adaptation is for a movie night when you're showing it to somebody, and you want to have like your discussions. Your, your your brain is looking for exercise. Exactly. And it's looking for yeah. like stimulation. But when you're a dad with a toddler. You probably don't need that kind of stimulation. And this was a good dad movie because it made me feel good about who I am as a dad. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, this more was like when I was watching it six months ago when it came out, it was pretty convicting. I was like, oh, let's not let's not go down that rabbit hole of who Nick Cage has become. Oh, because, totally. Yeah. But it's very universal because like whether it's movies or anything, all dads have this problem where they're trying to get their kids to be into the things that they're into. Like... <laughs> You know, like the, totally. the classic conundrum is the sports dad, where it's like, you're a football player. It's like, no, I'm not. Dad. No, dad, I like computer science. Yeah. Um, I, so I ran into that yesterday. I have a shared Dropbox folder with my dad where um, I completely forgot I had it, but I was going through Dropbox for my new job. And I was like, oh, these are like shared f- photos with my dad where yeah. we drop like photos. And there's a whole bunch of me when I was young. And it's like, oh my gosh. My dad really wanted me to be into cowboys. <laughs> and like there's a photo of me probably when I'm two and I'm surrounded by like footballs, basketballs, soccer balls. You know, <laughs> like my dad, my dad's into cowboys. He's into sports. You know, mm-hmm. um, I have like, you know, boots on and stuff. And I'm like, none of this is what I ended up being. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is fine. Like I did play. I did play sports and stuff, but it's not like. I'm not nowhere near as into sports now as my brother is now, who more became yeah. that kind of guy. I think, you know, reflecting on parenthood as it is now, I think our parents really wanted a a certain mold, and they're, like, trying to make that mold available to us as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And I think our generation as parents, were, are, we're just trying to, like, accommodate whoever our children become. It's like, what what's your thing? Like... I'll help you find your thing, but I'm not going to like force you into a certain program. I'll make it available though. I know. Yeah. I, I think that's impossible to escape as a parent yeah. is like, cause that's the thing about Nick cage. Like the understandable part of his character here is if you still want a relationship with your child and the hard thing is 
if you have a relationship with anybody, it has to be a two-way street. Yeah. And so they have to like something that you like. Otherwise, yeah. there's no relationship. Yeah. Totally. But at the same time, it can't be dominated. And what makes that difficult is that you have responsibilities setting like boundaries for your child and like helping mold them in ways that are not about like what you love, but what you like need to learn and stuff like that. And so it's, yeah, it's, I, I thought it was interesting and I wanted the grist of, of Nikki to be there influencing him as a dad, but uh, overall it was still really good. Yeah. Sarah had a good idea where she was hoping that it would be morphing into lots of different movies at once. And mm. like, there'd be like this confusion and Nicholas Cage would be like losing his sense of reality because of like Nikki Cage. And there's this movie that he's writing with Javi. And what if he like, what if that movie kind of came to life the way that Nikki was coming to life? Mm-hmm. And, and it eventually does come to life in the very end. Yeah. But in a, in, yeah, you're right. In as a real movie, yeah, and wouldn't it be interesting? Of like, there's his hallucinated version of it in the same way that Nicky Cage is, and then there's the movie itself. Yeah, because we start off with Nicolas Cage in a kind of a bad place yeah. in life, where he owes a lot of money, he is a little depressed, he's drinking all the time. Like, I think it would have been interesting if there was something of a substance that got into his system that caused this to happen. Where he's already hallucinating, but you know when he tags himself with the CIA oh, stuff yeah. and it like shouldn't be mixed with liquor or something. Right. And it's just this like, you know, trope that yeah. like, causes him to start hallucinating more and more. Not oh. in, not in a drug trippy way, but in a way where all of his movies are coming to life, like you that said. That would have been so cool where there'd be like 20 Nicolas Cages yes. and it'd be like the face off Nick Cage and the Con Air one and the Mandy one and they're all like... It'd giving be, him different advice. It'd be like Rick and Morty style where they're like all <laughs> stacked with each other, you know, like like the a thousand Ricks that eventually show up. So that would be fun. Yeah. And the way that I would play that movie wise is that at first they're all pulling him in different directions. Yeah. But then at the end, he is able to use each one of them to save the day. Yeah. And so he like brings them back under control and merges all of them into him oh yeah and so he gets to say goodbye to nikki because yeah he is oh, nikki oh yeah see that would have been a good that would have been a good movie but it would have totally distracted from the other relationship that's in this movie well, I, and i don't want to lose that I, either honestly like i think if you i think that would have been a i would have loved five more minutes in this movie because mm-hmm. i really enjoyed watching it and um, I would have loved Pedro Pascal being his anchor. Yeah. So and not losing him back anything. to life. Yeah. Yeah. I would have just lost the whole kidnapping subplot and just made it about Nick Cage losing touch with reality and yeah. being like being pulled at by his other characters mm-hmm. and Javi being a real person and keeping him tethered to the real world. Yeah. I, I think I could have been okay with like his daughter not being kidnapped, but him him still saving him and Javi still saving the day from the cousin yeah and the original girl who was kidnapped and then going home and being a real dad yeah you know yeah totally well that's okay it was a good movie regardless I, I like our rewrites we're like you could have done that way yeah. but we you yeah, know yeah. he's still this isn't good this isn't a criticism it's yeah. just uh wouldn't it be great if? yeah totally well awesome we're gonna take a little break and then come back with trope talk <laughs> that was a break ow 
Trope Talk. Welcome back to Trope Talk. It's like, Nick fucking <laughs> game. Very good. Very good. <laughs> so our trope this time around is meta and not the metaverse or the no, meta universe. Not, not Mark's meta. Not Mark's. Mark's meta, though, is one of <laughs> it's one of my favorite ice cream shops. I love Mark's meta. <laughs> Thank God it's not Mark's meta. Um, we're going to be talking about meta in film. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess meta in storytelling in general, but film specifically, because, you know, th- what the meta things that film does is not too different from what video games or books or television will also do. Yep. And this movie is obviously meta because it's Nick Cage playing Nick Cage and is aware that it's a movie about Nick Cage yep. playing Nick Cage. Yeah. But not to the point where... But a fictional Nick Cage. <laughs> not to the point of a being John Malkovich where people are literally becoming John Malkovich and John Malkovich is the playing John Malkovich who gets to be played I mean, it's not John too Malkovich. dissimilar. It's just yeah. less heady. Yeah. Yeah. And this is... this kind of like way of doing storytelling really came to fruition in the aughts but you can make the argument that it's started with postmodernism right in the 1970s and the medium is the message and like the film is the story not the story is the film kind of talking that marshall McLuhan bullshit yeah i mean <laughs> basically Meta, if, if there ev- if there ever is in either form, abstract, or literally mm-hmm. a reference to itself, itself that comprises of meta. Yeah, and God, that was a, I hated <laughs> saying that with my human mouth. And you know, it, it's it begins with a movie like Annie Hall, where your characters are are breaking the fourth wall, and your characters are aware that they're in a movie and they're leading their own movie, right. and mm-hmm. they're talking to you directly, and so. Anytime a fourth wall is broken, it immediately gets accused of being meta. And it's like, that's kind of true, but also kind of not fair towards that story. Because is Ferris Bueller a meta movie? Not really. Not really. And is is Shakespeare meta? Right. Because... I mean, like, no, because it's more of a device at that point. I, I, I would say when it's when it's more of a device that is used to actually execute the storytelling, it's a little less so. Yeah. But... But that being said, like if you're if you're making a it's almost like meta is very close to allegory sometimes where like a story is talking about something very specific that might be referenced in the story. Like if Shakespeare has, you know, like what's the one that we always forget that is a play inside of the play that Shakespeare wrote? Um, Is that Midsummer's? Is it As You Like It? Is it Taming? Did they do that for Taming the Shrew? No, no, it's not Taming. But whichever one it was, whichever one we can't think about. They're telling the story at a bar, right? No, this is the one where like a, a bunch of people who aren't actors end up going and being actors, like jesters for a king and queen. I don't is that, remember that one. And then the, Doug's going to be so mad at me. I know. I, <laughs> Sorry, Doug. Sorry, Doug. We've read a lot of other stuff now. Okay? I got them all on my complete Norton. I have them here. We can go look. <laughs> I don't want to. It's We have we have such limited time without our kids. <laughs> but like when you when you do that and you're referencing like like if you're poking fun at an actual um 
like an actual king and queen or something through this storytelling that's parody or allegory, but it's also a little meta if right. if it like is multiple layers deep. It's yeah. kind of hard to describe without using other terms. I think meta is when your film is self-aware. Okay. Is is I think that's is what makes it meta. Is because Ferris Bueller doesn't know that you're watching the movie Ferris Bueller. He kind of does. He knows you're along for the ride. But, but he, he doesn't does, he's not acknowledging that a film crew No, he does do that too. But but you said when a film, not necessarily the character, but when the film because Nick Cage doesn't know he's being watched in a movie here. True. As the a character. Film does, but the but film he doesn't. The film acknowledges through its writing that you are watching a Nick Cage movie about Nick Cage writing a movie about a Nick Cage movie. Yeah, and it's commenting on itself and it's like, isn't that funny about Nick Cage movies? Right. And this can be very trite. Yeah. And another way of putting it is your lampshading. Right. Okay. Yeah. Where you're, you're lampshading or hanging a, a lantern on it is basically like, I'm, I'm bringing up something so that you know I, I know about I'm it. I'm aware that this is getting rather like cliche, so I'm going to make comment on it so that it's no longer cliche. But and now that's become a cliche. That's a cliche now, and that's just lazy of you. And I, <laughs> I, I, think, I think we all do this as writers, but if you find yourself where you're trying to lampshade something, go back, start over, like come up with something new. I know you're tempted to just lampshade it and move on. You got to go back and fix it. The because... last 20 years has basically been lampshading. Yeah. And in, in, because we're really insecure. We don't, we don't know what is going to be accepted as morally right or just sometimes because, you know, different people have different moralities. And so that's, that's like a fix for that. But then it's also, is somebody not going to like this? Well, if I acknowledge that it's something that you might not like, then maybe, um, you won't dislike it so much. And that's so insecure. Oh yeah. Very disingenuous. Cause like even bond movies, will it's do not this. disingenuous. I think, I think it's, it's disin- extremely genuous. Well, <laughs> because, because <laughs> what you're, it, it's insecure. It is insecure. Yeah. yeah. Because bond movies will do this all the time where it's like, it, I like it when Bond movies like play with your expectation. It's like, mm-hmm. I'll have a drink. It's like, say the line, say the line. And he doesn't say the line. You're like, oh, I did not see that coming. He said sure. it differently. Yeah. Um, but there's other times where it gets so ridiculous where it's like, ah, but we're a Bond movie, so it's okay. It's like, I, you can't, you know, I guess, but you, you can't lampshade it to make me believe it. Like, you just make, should just make it believable. The place this works best is in comedies, though. Mm-hmm. Like, in sitcoms especially, like something like, 30 Rock, Community, mm-hmm. um, uh, The Office. Yeah. Like anything that is already kind of a parody lends itself well to a little bit of like nodding and winking. Yeah. But I'm kind of sick of it. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready to go back to just earnest storytelling that's creative and not just being like, let's comment on this. Because I think Community is the best version of it where they, like, they took the form of sitcom storytelling and just broke it and like, mm-hmm. look at this. Isn't this great? And it's like, yeah, now let's let's rebuild it and do something new. And at that point in time, like they're doing they're doing for comedy what Quentin Tarantino does for dr- dramatic action. Yeah. Where he's like, aren't movies cool? I'm going to show you how cool movies are inside of my cool movie. Yeah. And that's what Dan Harmon does yeah. basically for community. Um, and I think it can get good like in this movie. Yeah. Where where you almost have to commit like you have to jump off the cliff full bodied mm-hmm. into this idea. That's very meta. <laughs> Thank you. Um, if it's going to work. Yeah. Otherwise, what's the point in making it? It's not 
it's it's insecure art. Art doesn't need to be insecure. Why am I here watching it if it's insecure? And your meta storytelling about Nicolas Cage movies. What about the human condition are you making a point about? Because at the end of the day, you're not really making a point about the human condition. You're just making a point about Nicolas Cage movies. Sure. And cool. Now I'm a now I'm more of a scholar of Nicolas Cage movies. But that's not why this movie works. This movie works because of the friendship at the heart of it and the core of it. The friendship wasn't there. This would be a fun curiosity, but wouldn't deem a podcast episode about. Yeah, ex- especially this one. Yeah. Um, I do. I do think that if they went a little heavier into that and a little bit heavier into the psychology of Nick Cage, mm-hmm. um, this would be a capital G great movie. Yeah. But as, as it stands, it's a good movie that was very fun to watch, mm-hmm. and I don't think it would even be that good. Like. Could you not make this movie meta and still make it good? If Nicolas Cage was still playing Nicolas Cage? Yeah, Nicolas Cage was still playing Nicolas Cage, but there weren't a billion references to his movie. They weren't writing a movie about themselves in it, but it was just about these two guys genuinely writing a oh, movie. Yeah. It would I totally think it would still work. Absolutely. And so this is I guess this is what we're saying about meta is sometimes it can be interesting, but it it only needs to be there every once in a while, and most of the time, you can get rid of it. Well, contrast that with probably the best meta movie being John Malkovich. And that movie is about being John Malkovich, literally. Um, but it's commenting on these very specific character traits and flaws, and then it goes into this more universal feeling of wanting to live forever. And wouldn't it be great to live forever through the vessel of John Malkovich? And what does that mean to live a good life? And right. so meta can lead to bigger questions, mm-hmm. but it needs you need to make sure that's where you're going with it. Because if you're just stuck talking about the thing in itself, then you're kind of in this feedback loop. Yeah. And and with this movie, like I don't know whether it was was is a tragedy or a comedy or a little bit of both that they comment on the fact that nobody would watch that movie here. Yeah. Is that is that a comment on the times where nobody's going to allow us to make this movie and on top of that nobody wants it. Right. And I'm I'm here to say we do. We want it. We want it and we want to make it. So please and I do like the Nick Cage Nikki Cage dichotomy mm-hmm. and because that is a perfect a perfect filmic showing us how narcissism works yeah and him kissing himself Mm -hmm. and say nick cage smooches good yeah and it's (laughs) It's a great line and it's the nick cage of the one that we've seen on screen Mm -hmm. it's not some new version of nick cage that he's showing us it's like our perception of nick cage the crazy the crazy cage Uh uh-huh and we get to see how nick cage feels about that and so it is it is getting a bit at the universal in the specific, but not as much as maybe it could have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I I think you and I would love to make this movie again. <laughs> but it, it can't it can't be and it shouldn't be. Who who would you want to do it with? Who is like your who, celebrity? Well, it's hard because Nick Cage works so well because he's such a personality. Yeah. But like let's say let's say we were making this movie again with Pedro Pascal, mm-hmm. but one other actor. I think it'd be fun to do Tom Hanks. Mm. Tom Hanks would be fun. I think there's a book about this where they Tom Hanks is a is a character, but it's Tom Hanks. Really? I think so. Okay. Get at us. Did you dream podcast? This? No, 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 no. It's like he's 
like he shows up in this book and it's like a rom-com book who's a like bill murray that would be that's an easy one yeah you could definitely do something there uh let's look at the um could you do this with an extremely serious actor who like no 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 no. like think about it where it's like instead of being known for their comedy or their bigness yeah they're known for being serious and what they really want to do is be taken like a normal human being like a a daniel day lewis or a john malkovich or john well yeah i guess yeah but like imagine daniel day lewis um yeah just being him yeah and when he's not preparing for a role like we don't know what that's like and he doesn't know what that's like and that's what the the crisis of character is is like daniel day lewis doesn't know what it means to be daniel day lewis right i wonder i feel like that was floated like i think he was a backup to this idea because i think really did i just pull that out of nowhere or my butt (sighs) well let me see (laughs) daniel no but uh, like if you are coming up with the plot of this movie and it all hinges on Nicolas cage you have to have some backups Right, so I wonder who their backups were for. Well, I wonder if it was conceived of with Nick Cage, though. So that wouldn't be a case. I know that it was pitched to him, and he like at first was like, "No," but they like convinced him, like, "Please, it's a good idea. Trust us." So you know that script that I want to pitch specifically to NBC, right? And and I like I'm kind of in that that place where I'm like, "Do I want to make a backup pitch? (laughs) Yeah, I want this to be on NBC." But yeah, you came up with this idea. I'm like. Well, that's an extremely specific pitch, but but it works. It does sometimes. work. So so someday, someday, someday. NBC, um, we've got something for you. Well, Ryan, I have a very, 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 very important question for you. Okay. Um, will you ask me a very, very, very important question? <laughs> yeah. Will you give this movie a rom com? Oh. Oh, oh, stop! 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 Who are you right now? We, we've we've gone so far. I'm you. Uh, no, you are I, me. <laughs> oh, is this how we're getting meta now? Yeah. No, Ryan. I know you haven't done this for a while. I know it's. I know you're a dad brain, but we mm-hmm. actually do the Golden Sword before we do the rom com. Oh, damn it! Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna tee you up again, right? Ready? And I have a very important question to ask you. Will you ask me an important question? Yes. Will you give this movie a Golden Sword Award? <laughs> totally. Not here. High five from a distance. We got that. Clap. She. A blessing from the Lord. God be praised. The Golden Sword. Pedro Pascal is so earnest. Yeah. The way he looks at Nick Cage is how I want to be looked at Full stop, period. Uh-huh. And so I'm giving the golden sword to Pedro Pascal's face acting, his eye acting, his, eye his acting. longing. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm giving it to his face. It's He's just, got a good it's face. A, it's a good face, and the way he uses it is is masterful. How dare you cover up his face? Yeah. Mandalorian. Dave Filoni. How dare you? Idiot. How dare you? <laughs> what about you? There's so many good elements at hand here that need to be like congratulated and rewarded. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just say I'm giving a golden sword to I'm giving two golden swords out. One to the prop master mm-hmm. and one mm-hmm. to Nicolas Cage, because I want him to have a golden sword in general. Sure. 
But the prop master has so many awesome props here. You might as well have a golden sword in there as well. I, so what I here with our meta analysis of this movie, Nick Cage did give all of those props. So why don't you give Nick Cage the sword? Yeah, he gets the golden sword, but he can also lend it to the prop. Right, exactly. Master. Works great for me. Okay, cool. Well, uh, I want to know if something else works great for you, and that is the the rom com Oscar. Would you give it? <laughs> you you took my thunder earlier, so I'm going to just say, do would you give this movie a rom com Oscar? Yeah, <laughs> I would. We got to we got to hear the cue earlier, so it's fine. Yeah, definitely. I'm giving best supporting actor to Pedro Pascal. He's <sighs> just perfect in this movie. Perfect. Perfect. Pitch. Perfect. 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 He should have been in that movie, too. He would have made it even better. I I would love to see where he goes with his life, because currently he's playing father figures to orphaned children who need help navigating navigating their special powers. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, Ellie's got special powers, right? No, she has a resistance to... That's, That's still a power. It's it's like using she, the force. She won the Ellie is just like baby Yoda. I don't think, I think so. so. Yeah, it's it's the same. <laughs> okay. I this is why I keep wanting you to play that game. I played enough of it to know. I didn't finish it, but I know she's got she's got some resistance in there, so that's Yeah, basically it just means if she's bit, it's okay. I know. Yeah. So, I mean, baby Yoda gets bit all the time. Yeah. So that's true. fine. That's true. But he doesn't. But someday he bites. See, that's the difference. But he's, he's the biter. He who is his character in Game of Thrones? Baby Yoda's? No, um, Pedro. He's the. Oh, he was the Viper. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Viper doesn't have any kids, right? He's there's no little ones for him to look out for. No, he has three kids. Like the um, the sexy ladies that are. Oh, do they have kids? Yeah, she does. Okay. No, the yeah he with the lady who's there with him in yeah. King's Landing they had three kids the Sand Snakes is who they're called okay there you go yeah wait the Sand Snakes the the those other ladies yeah those are his kids those are his kids oh I thought they just like was his like squad <laughs> <laughs> that's his lady squad yeah no, that's his kids yeah okay well there you go yeah he, father to powerful little beans right yeah <laughs> and he's actually not a dad in real life yeah he should be he should be my dad yeah. No, trust me, everyone wants to call him daddy. But daddy is a state of mind, you know what I'm saying? I'm your daddy. I would like to see some some new roles for him and see where he goes, because this role is so different from the grimness of his other characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's great in comedy, so I'll yeah. see more of that. Yeah, agreed. I want to see what other, um, like, I want to just turn a switch and see if he, yeah. can, he can do that. Yeah. Um, like, what if he was, like, an old wise person? At some point, like an old wise man, like but, but like a Jedi type, yeah. Like you know? he needs to be in a Star Wars. No, I know, too late, huh? <sighs> well, my rom com Oscar, I'm actually giving it best friends. Best friends, I just love the chemistry so much. Mm-hmm. Like, That's a good one. Like, I wanted more. Like, when a movie gives you two characters and they're the main two characters of the story, and you still didn't get enough of them in the movie, you know, they did a good job, yeah, yeah, wonderful. Well. Man, now I'm second guessing myself when I yeah, ask you got this, this, but can I ask who would you fall in love with? Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends? The truth of it is, I loved you from the first second I met you. <laughs> but mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul, and I love, I love. I love you. I know.
It's tough. It's real tough. It's obviously not Nick Cage. Yeah. Um, just because he's he'd be a lot yep. for me, for anybody. Mm-hmm. But maybe not in real life. Yeah. Because maybe he's... No, probably in real life, if this has any inkling into his relationships. Uh, I didn't get enough of Gabriella. Yeah. I'd say ostensibly. Probably a- Gabriella. Abstractly. Probably Gabriella because yeah. she's so foxy. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say Pedro Pascal because he's just... There's something about him. Mm-hmm. It's that indefinable... He's got it. He's an it girl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, same. Pedro Pascal. I love you. I love you, Pedro. Uh, Ryan, did we get any letters? No. <laughs> uh, we did get a review from somebody who said that they liked us. I don't I don't have it in front of me, but, but thank you thank for you. liking us. Thank you for liking us and we appreciate we appreciate the review. Mm-hmm. And if you want to hear more of this, next month. We're also going to be releasing the rom-com Oscars. Yes, yeah, so can't miss the rom-com Oscars. No, comes well, every year, once a year. Mm-hmm. We're hard at work on our movie. We're making progress. Thank you for bearing with us in our hiatus, but we will try to be semi-regular like this, and hopefully we can be back for a regular episode soon. Wait, Ryan, rather than podcasts, rather than movies, what about this? T-shirts. I got a good T-shirt idea. Mm. It's a bear, and he is sitting, maybe he has a tie on, and he kind of has like a, like a, Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's got two hands out, mm-hmm. and it just says, bear with us. <sighs> or or he has his hand around both of us, his arms around you and around me, and it says, bear with us, because he's actually with us. He wants to bear with us? He is, he, no, like he bear- is a bear with us. <sighs> Man, bear with us? You're so good. All right. We're done with the podcast. <laughs> Forever. Ryan, I love you. I love you so much. I love you. So much that I would jump off a cliff with you, even if I didn't know that there was water underneath. Mm. I love you so much that I would go on a poorly intentioned acid trip with you. Oh, hey, cool. All right. Bye. Bye. And this is where we will say goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. So see you next week on A Gentleman's Guide. To rom-coms. Is that Vin Diesel? Yep. Finny boy! That whole thing's staying in, Kelly. Okay. If you're editing this one. You are editing this on Van New Liquor. Okay. I hate you. <laughs>